Hello, I'm Carrie Gard, and welcome to Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. We have officially completed two full years of our podcast. I started this back in Q4 of 2019. And I'm proud to say that we have done two years. Congratulations to MMKG Marketing. It's been a ride and I've learned a lot. Keep your eyes peeled for a blog post. I'm in the process of writing. I'm going to share it later, later on this year of what I've learned these last two years. And let me tell you, I've learned a lot on how to find guests, record a podcast, produce a podcast and, and launch one. It's been, it's been a ride and I can't wait to share everything I learned with y'all. And thank you for your continued support. This is season nine. Welcome. I have some amazing guests lined up. As always, we've dropped all eight episodes for your listening pleasure. Feel free to plow right on through or skip around whatever works for you. First up, we have Marguerite Yo. This is a special conversation to me as Marguerite and MKG Marketing have a long-standing relationship, having worked together since Marguerite's days at VMware back in 2014. Marguerite is now at Nunanix and has been for three months. Congratulations, Marguerite. I hope all is going well. Can't wait to connect and hear more about it. Marguerite and I talked a few months ago, and in our conversation, Marguerite and I dissected what it means to work on corporate marketing versus product marketing. They are two totally different things. Who knew? Uh, every time I talk to Marguerite, I learn something new. And in this case, I definitely learn the difference and why both are important and where Marguerite's heart lives when it comes to how demand gen fits into these and what it means for her in having worked both on the corporate marketing side versus the product marketing side. And it's a Really lovely, honest conversation, and it was an honor to have. So let's take a listen. Hello, Marguerite. Thank you for joining me on Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Hi, Carrie. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. I don't think our listeners know this, but Marguerite and I go way back. When? Yes, we do. Um, how long back? Maybe seven years? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Time flies. Yes. We're actually celebrating. I don't know if you know this, Marguerite, but we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary in July. Oh, congratulations. Crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, I'm so excited to have you because I feel like even though we've been working together for the, over these last seven years off and on. I feel like every time I talk to you, I learned something new about you and you always teach me something new as well. So it's, I'm super excited to take this live. This is going to be awesome. Awesome. Thank you. So before we kick off, even though I know your story and have heard it recently, why don't you share with our listeners, you know, what do you do Marguerite and how did you get there? So I'm in uh, marketing. I've been in marketing for um, 20 years now. And um, I really stumbled into marketing. So I uh, did my undergraduate in um, business in uh, Vancouver, Canada. Um, 
had a B class. That wasn't like, you know, super awesome. Um, but when I went back to Singapore after um, school and uh, worked for IBM in Compaq uh, Computer, I had the opportunity to do a little bit of marketing. So at um, Compaq Computer, I actually uh, worked with partners in um, Philippines, Brunei, and Indonesia. And um, at IBM, I had the opportunity to basically launched a pretty big event called Internet World um, that included all of the product groups within IBM as well as um, all the partners. So that those two were my exposure um, into marketing, um, so to speak, and I actually liked it. So um, after four years of working in Singapore, I decided to get my um, graduate degree and I focused on marketing. So that's really kind of my journey. And so where are you, where are you right now? So I'm at um, Dell Technologies right now. Um, I actually joined about two, slightly over two years ago um, to do product marketing for cloud um, as Dell was, um, you know, expanding into the space. Um, But prior to that, I had, done a number of startups in Seattle, worked at a number of startups in Seattle, um, also worked for larger companies like Microsoft and VMware, um, and um, basically did a combination of product marketing as well as um, demand gen. But demand gen has really been my passion. And, um, you know, where, you know, I guess it's my strong suit as well, if, if I had to compare product marketing against, you know, lead gen and demand gen. We're going to get into that later. So I'm not going to dive into my questions. Like I really want to, I'm going to hold and follow my flow. Cause my next question for you is, um, given where you are right now, what's one challenge you you're currently facing? Hmm. I think it is, you know, figuring out how to make a bigger impact in a very, very large organization. Um, it was easy, much easier, I would say, for me um, to make an impact and see the impact, you know, in in startups, right? Um, whereas in in a large company, you know, it's every bit counts, and you know, the the saying that teamwork and collaboration is important is definitely true, but it is harder to see, you know, the personal impact, if you will. Yeah, it's uh, it versus being a not necessarily a one woman show in the startup world, but definitely on smaller teams, um, and and the and wearing lots of hats, I imagine. Right, exactly. I mean, in 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 the startup, you know, even with teams of, I mean, I've had um, uh, I've led teams of up to eight and bigger. Um, but also very small teams um, of two or three, uh, depending on the startup. It's so easy, you know, to to see how um, what you do moves the needle, right? Whether it's you know a, a, a campaign that delivers leads to sales, or you know a redesign of the website that's done by a team of four. Right, and, and under two months. Um, whereas I did the same thing at Dell last year. Uh, we launched the cloud uh, portal 
But that was a team of so many people, right? We had, right. you know, um, a team of, I don't know, 50 people in, in, in the web uh, production, web development side of the house, um, and, and a lot of content providers, whereas at a startup, it's one content provider, one developer. So it's, you know, the scale is obviously much, much different. I also imagine with startups, there's a lot more opportunity for quick growth and and quick milestones almost, right? In terms of, you know, your percentages of growth are a lot higher. Like we grew 50% year over year versus when you're in a big organization, you're making these incremental, like we grew 3%, which is actually in terms of money a lot, but in terms of feeling the scale of that is much harder. Yes, that's for sure. I mean, at, at a large company, you know, we're starting from a base of, you know, um, millions, billions in revenue, right? Mm-hmm. And at a startup, you're talking, you know, under a million. And every day is a challenge. Every day is, you know, a, a, a numbers-focused game. Whereas, um, you know, at, at a large company, when your base is a billion, moving 3% is huge. Uh, moving 3% in a startup, it's, you know, you need to survive beyond that, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you definitely need growth of, you know, 20, 30, you know, 50%, that kind of numbers. And it's so exciting to see that kind of growth uh, where you grow something, you know, from nothing. I mean, I've had roles where, um, you know, you grow something from zero customers on the platform to, you know, over 400,000. I mean, that doesn't sound like a lot in a large company, but that's a lot in the, in the startup world. And it's very fun to do, to do that and be on that journey. And so fast, like going from zero to 400, you can do 400,000, you can do, you know, somewhat quickly, which is just where that joy comes in, right? Because you see it happen. It's almost immediate. Exactly. Well, let's talk a little bit about this because in your journey, you've done you've done all three. You've worked corporate in that corporate center of the marketing universe. You've worked product and you've worked demand gen. And you said your heart is really in demand gen, um, which we'll dig into why in a second. But I'd like to, if you could just, you know, especially if we're talking to people more in that startup field and that growth where demand gen is the, the focus of their universe right now, they might be like, well, what is corporate and why does that matter? So can you just break down the three fields we just talked about and what importance they, they hold in an organization? Yes, for sure. So I'll start with corporate marketing. Um, from, for me personally, my experience of corporate marketing is you know, about brand about uh, brand awareness, protecting the brand, um, you know, improving the brand experience. And um, it's also a lot about process and systems. And sometimes, unfortunately, having to be what I call the brand police that nobody likes, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and delivering the brand book, the brand guidelines, the do's and don'ts, and, you know, the, the imagery, font sizes, uh, brand colors, and, and all of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it has to be done. Um, it's not super exciting for me personally, but it has to be done and it's important. And, and I will say this because um, as a demand gen, um, you know, uh, uh, leader, 
I do need brand guidelines in order to execute my campaigns, right? So if, if yeah. for example, if I'm working on revamping the website, I need to understand what the brand guidelines are because I can't go crazy with colors and my own font sizes and things like that and, and font types even. Um, and when I'm doing campaigns, for example, um, I need to understand my creative uh, parameters. I can't just go, you know, do whatever creative I like. So while it's not my my passion, it is absolutely necessary um, from a you know marketing standpoint. And as a person in in the dimension space, I do need it, um, and I definitely use it. Um, the other um, the other thing about you know corporate marketing is um, I think it's the it's one of those roles that have the least focus on metrics. And I'm very uncomfortable about that because I love um, goals and numbers and something to work towards. Um, and when I don't have those kinds of numbers, I don't know how well I'm actually performing because you know, delivering a brand book is like, great, I checked that off my to-do list um, and I've actually done you know, a brand book a couple of times, but I don't know you know, what, what, what kind of value other than it's needed by people that it brings, right? So I, I kind of struggle with the whole lack of metrics part of it. Um, and um, aside from, you know, corporate marketing doing brand awareness and, and um, unaided awareness type of studies, there isn't a whole lot of um, metrics that, that the role looks at. Um, so I'll go on to the next um, uh, kind of marketing discipline we talked about. It's product marketing. So product marketing is um, focused on you know positioning the product right in in this in the space, um, <clears throat> outlining how you are different from the competition, what's the um, value that you bring, and the so what right? Why should customers care? So it's about messaging, it's about um, content, developing a lot of content, uh, whether it's short form or long form content, um, you know, all the way from, you know, ebooks, uh, infographics, product sheets to white papers and things like that, and technical documents. Um, it's also about the roadmap, understanding the product roadmap, working with engineering, um, understanding everything about your product, such as pricing, global availability, um, and including sales enablement, right? So um, it is, again, I mean, I've done a lot of this and I do enjoy it, but again, it's one of those things that it's really hard to determine if I'm doing a great job other than is sales happy? Yes, they are great. I'm doing, you know, good sales enablement there. Um, and then you can somewhat test you know, uh, and measure your content, right? If you if you place the content on the website, for example, you can tell um, if it's being, you know, um, downloaded, viewed, downloaded, and and being and if customers are engaging in it. Mm -hmm. So to a certain extent, you can tell if the content you're producing is great. But a lot of the things like positioning, messaging, um, you know, roadmap, work pricing, it's you don't really have a sense of am I doing good. Um, or, you know, I'm, or am I just doing an okay job? It's again, one of those roles that has um, not a ton of uh, metrics attached to it. Um, is it, it sounds, important? Absolutely, right? Um, it sounds like a because, lot too. Like you listed yeah. a lot of things that product marketing has to cover. 
Yes, for sure. And it's definitely not done by one person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially at, at um, you know, at large companies like Dell and Microsoft, et cetera. Um, you know, you would have, you know, one person doing positioning messaging. You would have a team of, you know, say eight people doing content, um, a team of people focused on roadmap and things like that. So it's, it's definitely, uh, there's a lot, but it's also a large team. At startups, I don't think, um, you know, product marketers do, all of that at the same time. Um, they probably, you know, do some um, better than others and deprioritize others um, and, you know, at certain times. So you can't do it all, right? And startups have probably, what, anywhere from one to maybe three, four product marketers. But also, you know, startups have, le- uh, startups have, have less of a, um, I would say, product portfolio, right? So it's, you don't need as many um, product marketers in that regard. Yeah, that definitely makes sense in terms of your team load and once you're bigger and be, you're, I mean, it, it sounds like it's gotta be a pretty big team to encompass all of all these moving pieces. And then in terms of prioritizing once you're smaller of what does the company need in that moment mm-hmm. uh, makes a ton of sense. And, and so in terms of importance, uh, would you, would you say product marketing is as, I mean, do any of these have more importance over the other or do they all carry their own weight? I think they carry their own weight. So, um, you know, take my, my um, example again, as a demand gen, um, you know, leader, I ask for positioning and messaging um, as well. I mean, the, actually the, the two things that I always ask for when I land in a new role is what can I have the positioning and messaging document and the brand guidelines. And I ask for the positioning and messaging document because you know, you, you have to understand, first of all, your product, what it does, how is it differentiated, um, and what is the compelling um, uh, story you want to say before you can even launch into any demand gen marketing, right? Otherwise, you know, it, it's, it's an empty kind of a promise. And so I feel like both roles um, are important and equally important. And I definitely, um, you know, relied on um, deliverables by the, the two different teams in order to do my demand gen job. So for sure. Let's talk about demand gen for a minute and give that the proper due diligence of defining what role that is and how it plays into the organization. Mm-hmm. So demand gen to me is about, you know, the funnel um, and working very closely with sales. I think of um, all of the roles, um, this one has the closest partnership with the sales team because um, I view demand gen roles as, um, you know, having sales as your internal customer, right? You are responsible for delivering leads to the inside sales team and also, you know, the outside sales team. And the focus is on top of funnel, middle, as well as the bottom of the funnel. Um, a lot of demand gen marketers stop at top of funnel, but I strongly believe that to be a good um, demand gen, you know, um, marketer, you have to focus on the entire funnel. Your job doesn't stop at the top. Um, and um, I think a lot of um, um, ways to look at it is, 
how, what else do you do, you know, once you've, you've delivered the leads? It's about um, nurturing, right? So it's the nurture uh, marketing that happens if somebody doesn't convert right away. Um, and it's about, um, you know, deeper level content um, that will bring the customer along the journey. So to me, it's definitely uh, funnel focused, pipeline focused, and a ton of metrics, right? Um, you can have metrics from everything from, you know, campaign related, like how is your email performing? Um, how is your account-based marketing doing? Um, is, you know, what's the webinar uh, attendance and what's the leads I got from that? Um, how is my paid search and organic search doing? How is social, you know, performing? All of these elements that form an integrated campaign has metrics around it. Um, and, you know, website, you know, are you growing, you know, traffic? Is the traffic staying? What are they engaging with on the site? Are they, you know, um, um, converting to leads, those kinds of things. And then um, a lot of it is also about testing um, and learning. So in, in this role it, that there is a lot of A-B testing, you know, you can test anything from call to action um, on the site to, you know, um, a copy uh, tweak um, in an email, everything, um, you know, in that spectrum. And then it's about looking at marketing ROI and return on advertising spend. You know, is my, is my spend on paid search, you know, delivering the effectiveness and, and the leads um, at, a, at a, uh, the right efficiency compared to say my email or my webinar marketing, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a ton of metrics um, involved and this is actually super exciting um, for me personally. So there's a couple things that live just like you need information from corporate and product to do. I, let me rephrase that. The demand gen team, in order for them to do their job, they need a lot from corporate and product. Mm -hmm. Sure. The metrics that come out of demand gen, do, do those get attributed to what corporate and product essentially gave you? Because I feel like even though corporate and product don't necessarily have their own metrics, the metrics that demand gen is able to get can be attributed to the work that the product and the corporate team have done. Am I making sense? Yeah, no, absolutely you are. Um, I think from a brand perspective, it's a little bit harder. Um, I mean, you could attribute some of the, you know, the demand gen work to the growing brand awareness, right? For sure, because when you do, you know, things like email marketing and webinars and social, when you when you post a lot, you know, on, on the social channels, and when you do event marketing and, um, you know, account-based marketing, all of those impact the brand, right? It, it impacts the brand, the, the visibility of the brand, um, the experience of the brand, um, and the overall awareness. So absolutely, um, it is not a direct um, correlation. I don't think there is an easy way, you know, today to measure that. But I think everything that, you know, Dimension does, does move the needle um, for brand marketers in terms of um, visibility and awareness, um, absolutely, and, and unaided awareness as well. Um, and um, definitely on the content side for, for product marketers. So, you know, um, I, 
actually do share some of these metrics um, with the product marketing team as well and let them know like, hey, these are the types of um, assets and content types that um, are resonating on our website. So absolutely, uh, you know, there is a kind of a linkage back to, to the other two disciplines. When you're going from startup to corporate, it sounds like in a corporate world, in a, not a corporate world, in a um, bigger business, because I want to be careful about the language of, if I'm using corporate to talk about corporate marketing, I don't want to confuse people. I'm talking about an organization, you know, this enterprise organization, like a Microsoft or a, or a VM where, like you mentioned, those sound, you know, because of their, of how big they are and all of the different products that they have, uh, having all three of these seem to make a ton of sense. When you're in the startup world or even in that initial growth place, do you have all three of these things? Is one, is one doing it all? Or is one more important? What do you think, what sort of happens in that realm? Yeah, so in the startup world, what I've found um, often, especially if it's, um, you know, initial stage startup, right? Definitely not, I'm not talking about late stage here. Mm -hmm. Initial stage startup, the brand is and tends to be the least, um, you know, of, of the founder's um, concern. And, and you know, I, I would say that if I was in their shoes, I would almost do the same thing um, because you know you really it's it's about survival right it's about um, cash flow it's about you know acquisition um, and and you know reporting to the board about how you're doing and the board mostly um, at this stage are not so much concerned about you know brand branding and, and all that stuff they want to know you know, are you acquiring customers? Are we getting the revenue? Um, does this business, you know, have the you know, have the right, you know, cash flow? Are we able to, you know, survive, you know, two years, five years, that kind of story? So, absolutely, in early stage startup, I found that brand tends to get pushed aside. Um, product marketing is definitely, you know, on the radar because people, you know, do understand that, you, you know, we need to have a roadmap and an understanding of what's coming. We need to position it. But a lot of times what I found is they either assign one person or they have, you know, one person do it all, you know, kind of like doing the dimension as well as the positioning and messaging and, and all that stuff. Um, and, you know, it's, it's tough, right? When you start out with a team of 10, 15, 20, um, most of them are going to be engineers. And that's how it is in the startup world. Mm -hmm. um, later stage startups, though, which I've also been a part of, um, can afford and definitely are more aware of, you know, um, the importance of brand and brand experience, especially when you are, you know, planning to IPO, right? You, all of those, you know, um, T's and I's needs to be crossed and dotted, right? And so um, absolutely, I, I do see a difference uh, depending on the stage of the startup. Um, but really when you are 10 people, um, demand gen is, you know, absolutely critical. When we first decided to have this conversation, you mentioned reading an article that sort of hit home for you when it came to demand gen. 
can you remind me what 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 was that article and what was what about it struck you as like that aha moment oh yes um so it was a um a blog post by um, a guy named Jason Lemkin. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a SaaS founder and an investor in Silicon Valley. The, the title of the blog, though, was super interesting, and it was what caught my attention. It, it went something like that, hire the right type of VP of marketing, or you'll just end up with a bunch of, you know, blue pens with your logo on them, something to that effect. And I was like, whoa, that's a pretty strong statement to make. Um, And, you know, if I were in brand marketing, I would be a little bit upset maybe. But um, so anyway, I read it. And essentially the, the gist of it was he was giving startups advice on the type of marketers to hire. Um, and he actually talked about the three types, corporate marketers, product marketers, and demand gen. Um, and, you know, Basically, um, why it resonated with me was exactly what we just talked about was, yes, this is exact. It it was very clear how he outlined the three um, roles and why startups need to hire, um, you know, a a demand gen person versus a generic, hey, I'm just going to hire VP of marketing. Um, they need to be super clear about what kind of marketer they want. Um, And the three roles um, do very different things and have very different skill sets. And so if you really want a demand gen person, don't hire a corporate marketer. If you want a product uh, marketing person, don't hire, you know, uh, a demand gen person, something like that. So that, that was what resonated very well with me. I don't think I've read anything that defined um, the three roles so clearly. And one of the things I remember you saying, or maybe I made this up and you're going to correct me, but it was something about demand gen being close to the product. Is that ringing a bell? No, where with corporate, I- where with corporate, corporate's more about the overarching brand itself versus mar- versus demand gen being more about selling those products is that yes and I I don't know that um, Jason Lemkin covered that I don't really remember but that I personally believe in I I feel like um, you know in in corporate marketing roles you're not closer to product or any product Um, it's more about the overall brand Um, Whereas when you are in product marketing, you are passionate about the product that you are, you know, you you are uh, supporting, right? So, you know, for example, take take me, if if I were in in cloud marketing versus storage versus, you know, data protection or services, my, you know, focus is on cloud. I am definitely into everything about cloud. I know, you know, the the messaging, the positioning, the competitive space. Um, I know what, um, you know, competitors are launching, when the events are, what they're talking about. Um, You know, we even go to their websites and look at, you know, what they are promoting. But if you are in, you know, networking or services or any other product marketing, you don't really care about other people's products because you just don't have time. Um, in demand gen though, um, I personally feel that I like to be closer to the product, whether I'm, 
you know, naturally close to or not, uh, I make an effort to be because it is hard to be a good demand gen marketer if you don't know what you are marketing. Um, and you, you definitely need to understand um, the compelling differentiation in order to highlight that um, in, in the marketing that you do. So I absolutely feel, yes, um, whether I'm naturally um, in the product marketing group doing demand gen or sitting outside of it, I like to be close to the product. I love that. Oh, and I, you know, we've worked with, we've worked together over the years and some of the products you've worked on are doozies in terms of the technical <laughs> elements of really needing to understand what they do. I mean, that in and of itself sometimes to me feels like a whole project, you know, in terms of onboarding. So how have you, do you feel like from the start, because you started in tech 20 years ago, at IBM that you have a, that it's easy for you to understand these complex tech clients or is it a learning curve every time? Um, I think it gets easier every time. Um, there are, you know, obviously nuances. I mean, it's so funny because I don't consider myself technical. Um, I do understand technical terms, obviously. Um, I do understand, you know, um, a lot of the you know acronyms and and I know um, at a base level um, you know a, a lot of these how things work but I can't I don't I'm not technical enough to write a white paper put it that way nice. um, but when I tell a lot of my colleagues that I'm not technical they actually say no you are actually pretty technical well you know more than I do um, so I guess it really depends. I would love to be a little bit more technical, but when it gets beyond a certain point, I just can't, you know, I cannot grok the, the, the details, but I absolutely try to understand because when, when, to me, if you know how something works, it's easier to explain it, whether you are working on a video or you're working on, um, you know, a, a, um, an email, it's easier to highlight and bring to the surface um, what's so special about what you're marketing. And if you don't know, you're just literally either making things up or be or, or marketing something that is so um, fluffy that that you sound like any other tech company. Like, I don't like it when I pick up my, you know, my, my marketing stuff and it sounds, and if you hide the logo and the company name and all of that, if you can't tell um, your product apart from your competitors, then it's, it's almost like whitewashing to me. And I, I think a lot of us are guilty, I mean, myself included at some point, Right of throwing out terms like oh efficient, um, you know, it gives you you know higher better productivity. It's faster better. I mean, everybody says the same thing. Um, so unless you can articulate exactly what it is that gives you better efficiency, faster, more you know um, uptime, and all of that stuff, then you're really it's it's a blend, right? You're blending in with everybody else, and you're not standing out. Um, and how I try. Um, really to understand uh, the product is I, I sit, I like to sit with um, the product team and, and sometimes I ask them to do a demo for me. Um, you know, like pretend that you are, you know, presenting to a, a sale, uh, 
a customer. Um, how how would you explain to the customer what this is? So I see, you know, a, a demo. Um, sometimes engineering does um, demo sessions as well, which is really cool. Um, and then also sitting with the sales team um, and listening into the inside sales calls, um, you really understand, you know, some of the questions that prospects are asking or customers are asking. And that helps me hone and tighten my message a little bit more. I love that. And then it brings everything together too, in terms of how all these things work together, which is Mm -hmm. what we're saying so beautifully. Marguerite, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you breaking down the three types of marketing teams to us and how they all work together and where your passion lies. Before we close out, I do have my three questions. Mm -hmm. Are you ready? Yes. (laughs) Okay. First one is in the last year, given the pandemic, have you picked up any new hobbies? Oh, yes, I have. Um, I've picked up one new hobby and I've actually done more of um, something that I I like doing. So I um, started um, doing more pedal boarding um, last year because of the lockdown and the distancing and all that. And pedal boarding is so easy. You know, you can bring a friend, um, pedal board out on the lake and it's, you know, open air, it's it's safe. Um, so I've, I've been, you know, definitely I did a lot of that last year, um, every chance I could get. Um, but the new hobby that I picked up was baking. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are shocked and surprised because I actually, you know, I don't cook. I'm terrible at cooking. Um, I just started on, I remember, March 29th. And, I, you know, I started with something really simple. And then I... Um, just got into it and I also started watching the great British baking show and you know some of the technical challenges and and the really challenging bakes kind of intrigued me and I said you know I'm gonna try it um and then once you get success at something you know how it is right you're like mm-hmm. oh I can do this so I'm gonna try harder and harder ones and and you know more challenging things and then it just became a thing so I still bake today, over a year later, and I'm um, enjoying it. And I'm friends with Marguerite on Facebook. And I got to tell you, some of these creations that she has made look amazing. I might have to, <laughs> I might have to grab some photos from you, Marguerite, because they, uh, I wish we lived near each other. I would totally be a taste tester for you. Oh, thank you. Uh, second question for you is if you, I know you've worked remotely, um, most of your career, at least recently, but if you could be in the office with your team and walking the floor and, um, going desk to desk, what song would you want playing overhead to set sort of the vibe of the office? Oh, um, so beautiful day by you two, for sure. Um, I've, I've, it was, it's one of my favorite bands. I've liked them since I was young. Um, and that song, I mean, it's, I think it's 20 years old. It is, you know, old, but, um, it is still very relevant today. Um, and you know, the phrase don't let it get away is a lot of times how I feel, especially when, you know, I get up in the morning, the sun is shining, blue skies, you know, beautiful day in Seattle, which we don't get a lot of. Um, it's, 
I tell myself, okay, I'm going to get off work early and go out and enjoy the weather. And um, it's, you know, this don't let it get away thing resonates. Absolutely. So I, I definitely do, you know, um, want to play that if I had a, a chance. And it's about hope and it's beauty and it's about uh, being joyful about the little things in life, for sure. I totally agree. I love that song. All right. Last question for you is if you could travel to anywhere in the world, where would you go and why? Oh, that's an easy one. I would love to go to Morocco. So um, I'm a planner. Um, I plan my trips. Oh, I make it a point to visit a place I've never been um, every year. And um, I'm a planner as well. So I plan my trips ahead of time. I book my tickets five months in advance um, and I have a full set of itinerary done. I know what I'm doing each day, where I'm going, how I'm gonna get there by train, by bus, by you know driver or whatever the case is. Um, and I had my trip all planned out um, in early February last year for my Morocco trip in May. And, you know, and then I hear news about COVID and, and all that. And um, I thought, oh, maybe it's like Ebola, you know, it'll die down and then it's nothing. But, well, we all know what happened. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I had to cancel the trip um, and um, haven't, you know, really been anywhere last year. Uh, definitely not to a place that I had not been. So I'm definitely looking to going to Morocco. I, I look forward to the architecture, the food, um, you know, all that nice stuff that I see in pictures. Well, I will, I'm so glad we're connected on Facebook because when that trip happens, I get to see those pictures too. It's going to be glorious. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Marguerite, thank you again for joining me. I, I loved this conversation. Thank you for having me, Carrie. I appreciate it. So happy to um, get a chance to speak with you. That was my conversation with Marguerite. Isn't she lovely? So great chatting with her and sharing her perspective. If you'd like to learn more about Marguerite and see what she's up to, you can find her on LinkedIn. Link is in the show notes. You can also find our Spotify playlist as well and get rocking out to our guests' picks this season. All eight are there. Check it out. Thank you for tuning in to the first episode of season nine. In the next episode, I chat with Chris Ott on the importance of brand marketing, especially when a company is in a hyper growth stage. Uh, and needing funding and needing to get their name out there. So keep listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders, the podcast that helps brands get found via transparent, measurable digital marketing. I'm your host, Carrie Gard. And until next time, this episode is brought to you by MKG Marketing, our digital marketing agency of agile experts who specialize in SEO, digital advertising, and analytics. It's hosted by me, Carrie Gard, CEO and co-founder of MKG, music mix and mastering done by Austin Ellis. And if you'd like to be a guest, please visit mkgmarketinginc.com to apply.